This week, we're delighted to be joined by Philippa Goldstein, Senior Analyst and Head of Hotels Research at Knight Frank, who, via the medium of facts, alerted us to the positives to be found amidst the current political and economic chaos. Trading data to the end of August shows continued strong rates, and we're all hoping the pandemic lessons of market segmentation, cost control, and searching for new revenue streams remain fresh in the minds of hotel owners for the coming months of uncertainty. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is once again, the regular podcast from New Dog PR, which is us. And dear listener, you join us. Um, last, Our last podcast, we were predicting that we may, um, the apocalypse may well hit because of nuclear weaponry, but it seems there are m- more more pressing, more more um, localised. Yeah, well, it's what, what we've learned, that's what we've learned, isn't it, from the pandemic, is to be more local. Um, yes. We're all into like domestic holidaying and now domestic economic crises. It's perfectly fitting, perfectly on trend. I congratulate Conservative Party for sticking with what we've all come to be used to. Used, used so to. really honing, yes, those local trends local that we've come trends, to know. About. Local trends, yes. You can see the bin fire just by looking out of your window. I suspect we may get onto that in slightly more detail or indeed all the detail for the next half an hour. Um, But before we do, we should introduce our guest this week, who is Philippa Goldstein, and she is Senior Analyst and Head of Hotels Research at Knight Frank. Philippa, it's a joy, a joy to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, It's a joy to be here. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me today. So yes, I'm fine. Healthier than the economy. (laughs) That's not a good sign. Do you want us to send someone round? I think that's terrific. Cry for help. Yes. Now, I don't really know where to start with this because I feel like I don't, it's probably not, we don't need to sort of um, state the beaten obvious uh, in terms of what is going on. Things about not doing things live is that, you know, who could have forecast what was going to happen today? When you speak to us, the Bank of England just has to weigh in and buy long-term gilts because the pensions market was about to fold in on itself. And they still do. Um, <laughs> so fun. Uh, so yes. So by the time you listen to this, anything could have happened. Uh, our noble leaders are somewhere, um, but presumably they'll have to come out for the Tory Party conference next week. Or will they? Uh, lots of lots of front benches apparently aren't going to go. So it's not going to be quite the party that one would normally anticipate. So it's hard to know what to do with this current event. Um, and what we could possibly comment on. The good thing about having Philippa here is that Philippa is very good with facts. At the moment, all we have is screaming and tears um, and some nasty facts from the IMF and, and Moody's and people like that who are like really left and woke, apparently. Um, so that's that's difficult for them. But facts, facts are good. And, um, and it'd be interesting to sort of think about how facts might play out in this current scenario, assuming a kind of a wider kind of global economic malaise <laughs> i hadn't heard that uh senior front benches wouldn't be trotting up to the tory conference what what on earth could they possibly be doing that's more important than that i know it's funny isn't it but <laughs> but one suspects anything else mm. okay well i was gripped i was gripped by starmer's um Starmer's uh, pebble dashing heritage yesterday in his speech there was a lot of pebble dash chat which is tricky to say quickly yes he's a brave man 
Very much so. Um, so we'll, no doubt that we'll, this will be woven into various conversations that we have um, throughout the rest of the podcast. But to start with, Philippa, I think you've got some data uh, on summer trading, which would be intriguing to discuss in the looking at London and the regions, because we were... I mean, for anyone who's, I don't know, been under a rock for the the last three years, London was just deemed just hopeless. Uh, It was all about the regions, but we've seen a couple of significant transactions in London and notable events like deaths of monarch, which have helped the London um, market. So what do you know? I can only report on trading up until the... Um, August year to date because um, September trading is clearly not out yet. But um, suffice to say that both London and the regional UK market um, has been enjoying a strong recovery um, and um, we've all heard about um, strong pent-up leisure demand. Um, the staycation dem- market has remained strong regardless of um, the return of outbound travel Um there's the structural shift in demand as well um, in terms of uh, more leisure and hybrid working. Those are all elements that have contributed to um, the success or the rebound of um, the, the sector. Um, and um, the corporate market and the mice market too has, has been stronger, um, as well as um, brands doing better in terms of what people wanting to stay in a um, have the have the comfort of a brand um and so all these different factors have helped the recovery along with the the more um the continued normalization of travel and um the return of um international um, um visitors to london and key gateway cities so um between january to july it's been a really strong um um month on month growth in in revpath for both london and regional UK. Um, and then the figures for August have also just recently come out. And um, whilst the upward curve has somewhat faltered, um, it's, I think it's important to understand the, um, the sector. And um, you, you, might, um, you might think that, oh, that there's a, a drop in the performance, but you need to think back and look historically because often August is a weaker month to July because of the peak um, peak summer month. So, um, for example, in 2019, um, August was 15% below Revpar compared to July. And so the same trend has happened again this year, um, perhaps a little bit more severe, but then that shows that we're still in recovery. Um, the, the international demand hasn't, hasn't come back to what it was whilst a lot of American guests and um, some European guests are coming back. There are still certain markets which um, are, are being forced to stay away or just haven't returned. And so um, that's, that's been a challenge for especially London um, during the month of August. Um, and it also highlights how strong they, they have captured the corporate and the mice market during the last few months because um, um, basically hot stats have been uh, reporting um, a decline in London's rev power of 28% in, in August compared to July. So that's that's quite significant. Um, regional UK wasn't, wasn't affected as much, but um, 
it's I don't think it's um, where the just the economy and how it's turning. I think it's really to do with the seasonality and um, September, as you say, um, the death of our late monarch has certainly put London on the map, and we're expecting a stronger recovery from in September, both from um, international demand. Uh, and continued leisure and the return of corporate demand. So um, it's not all, it's not doom and gloom. And I think the recovery is certainly um, there for for, um, for now. I mean, other statistics, I know you like statistics. Um, <laughs> occupancy um, in regional UK is about um, 9% adrift of where it was in August 2019. And it was 15% adrift um, in London. Um, but where it's lagged in occupancy, it's made up in the average room rate. So um, the average room rate is currently 22% ahead, both um, remarkably in London and regional UK. Um, so um, and and that's as an average across all all data sets of of subsets of hotels. So certain markets have sub market sub segments of the market have performed better. So. Um, for example, um, there's been stronger growth in average room rate in the um, golf and spa se- segment, and also um, th- the um, select service market has has actually outperformed as well. So they've they've seen strong strong growth, and it's real growth in term. And when you com- when you take into com- um, consideration um, inflation, so um, it's it's promising. I think hotel operators are cautiously optimistic for the months ahead. Um, but as as the leisure demand peaks, I think there will become a challenge for the, for the late autumn, winter months and going into Q1 um, 2023. So um, we don't really quite, no one quite knows the impact of um, how inflationary costs and also um, the rising interest rates, which seems to be more and more apparent, um, would impact on discretionary spend. So um, I think the um, I think these headwinds will increase before they ease later in 2023. Do you, I couldn't help but notice that my my cousin who lives in Washington and is um, frugal, her husband will tell you, um, she was considering coming over uh, here to visit me um, as of this week because of the monumental tanking of the pound, um, which doesn't seem to be doing anything at the time of speaking uh, in terms of recovery. Um, if she's thinking about travelling, then other Americans must be thinking about travelling, particularly to London. Is that in any way going to compensate or is she an outlier? Absolutely. I think that's um, a weak pound is one of, um, is one of the strengths of, for, for, the, um, for the sector. And you have to think, look, just not look back too far when Brexit happened and the pound weakened and um, people were all doom and gloom. But actually, the market performed quite strongly. So I think whereas we have a lot of um, noise, huge amount of noise about the economy and it's all bad doom and gloom, for the sector, um, there are some some positives. Um, so the, it will make um, imports and the cost of supplies more expensive, but equally at the moment, for example, the revenues appear to be um, in line with um, or meeting the cost challenge. Hmm. Oh, okay. So we're seeing some profitability. Um, yes, we are. I mean, it's, 
despite um, despite utility cost hiking um, and um, and other and other costs, there there are signs that um, that the costs are starting to outpace the revenues. Um, but um, in this market, um, with I think hotel is more and more um, it, understanding the need to keep prices high to combat the rising costs. At the moment, um, the the profitability is is still coming through. That's presumably yeah, largely thanks to the high rates that have been achieved for the to year to date, I guess. And it will be a case of whether that whether the leisure demand whether the leisure demand as it eases off can be replaced with corporate demand with the conference it is conference season, isn't it? We're we're hurtling headlong into that and whether the rates can be sustained from those other areas back to local. Absolutely. Back to local, I think where there's it. changes in the average rate it's very much to do with the, the change in the segmentation mix, um, and that was clearly seen in August data. Um, so, um, so yes, it's 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 driving those revenues that um or those uh, reven- the sectors that are most profitable for the business is being clever. More fun, fun, fun for revenue managers, mm-hmm. presumably. <laughs> Jolly old time. Right. Um, we'd like your predictions, and this may or may not be based in varying sort of degrees on fact. Um, Catherine in particular, although we are both keen followers of the quarter of reckoning, Catherine is very much very much on the hunt and and is going to persist forever to find it takes. <laughs> To, to date, it's probably how how many quarters are we on so at far? Least, at least, yes, yeah. I was going to say twelve, but yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's um. So we're on the hunt for the quarter of reckoning. Do you think will this happen? Will there be? Will the various um, fiscal economic pressures um, create this, or are we just going to see this sort of slow? drip of it not quite a reckoning but more a sort of trickle i don't know less dramatic i don't know what do you think quarter of trickling it's less it's got it's less zingy that sort of phrase depends, isn't it it could well be the quarter of trickling up or trickling down so. <laughs> depends who depends which camp you're on depends whether you're going to that um conference the conference party conference or not doesn't it, <laughs> it does. um, yes yeah, so as far as we can tell lots of people aren't uh so it'd be a very small bus <laughs> I think um, no, generally no, no. the picture globally is a difficult one and, and the UK is no exception. Um and so um and last week's mini budget just sparked new levels of um volatility and uncertainty. Um and so whereas we've all been focused on inflation recently in in a big way, I think that topical debate of how far interest rates are gonna go up as well is gonna become more apparent. Um, and um, no one quite knows how um, how far the the, um, the pound will fall and how it, what impact it will have on costs um, and and weaker growth. But um, I think I think generally though um, there's there is there is still opportunities out there. Um, I think um, I think this in high inflationary in environment, um, I think there's characteristics of um, this slowdown will be different to previous slowdowns. And that, that for example, the, the high inflation um, has certain advantages for the sector. We just talked about um, 
in, international guests coming over. But I think the opportunity for hoteliers is to be able to um, – they can't control what's the external factors, but they can do well what they what they know. And, um, and I think um, it's taking um, – having a balanced view, um, having a nimble approach, and being focused to that changing market landscape. So um, I think um, the, they're driving operational efficiencies through um, all the technology advancement that they've had um, will serve to help profitability. Um, it's being creative in how they generate revenues and new new demand um, segments and new initiatives to generate revenues, not just in rooms, but also the ancillary revenues. Um, it's, it's all about maintaining their competitiveness um, and and generating demand um, across all all the market segments and 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 using what they can. I mean, so certainly um, there's growth in the uh, corporate travel management um, companies and um, increasing the number of maybe of negotiated rates that they have available to a, a wider pool of customers. Um, there's also been a lot of talk about um, direct bookings, and so it's it's driving reducing commission costs and the focus on the OTAs and driving uh, improving the the number of direct bookings. And it's all about guest experience, about and so that people will return. So I think there's a number of things that people that hoteliers can do, but it's being um, intelligent about their revenues but also disciplined about their cost structures and um and understanding their hotel cost base and if there's one thing that they've learned from the pandemic it is really understanding their cash flows and what was once thought of as a fixed cost actually can um it can prove not to be and so it's it's managing improving the margins and so i think um whilst there's Weakness in the economy. Um, there's certain strength for 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 the sector to be able to um, to capture. Um, there's also um, one of the good things in the budget last week was about the VAT free, the return of the VAT free shopping fund. Although it's not imminent, um, it will certainly help, say from 2024 onwards. So um, there's some certain good things that have that are, are likely to play out in the future. And the industry fundamentals remain the same. I mean, it's all about there will be some markets that perform better than others, but it's also about um, um, you know the, the location of a property, the versatility of the management. Um, is it well invested? Um, I think perhaps um, capex finance will become harder to play for, harder to access with the increasing cost of debt. Um, and owners will need to dig deeper into their pockets um, and put their own um, equity uh, or be more creative in their financing. So um, I think to go back to your question about quarter of reckoning, um, <laughs> it's, it's a hard one to answer, but um, I think the enormous challenges faced by the pandemic, but I think they're um, – the hotels now are being faced to stand alone without the um, without the the support of government. Whereas during the pandemic, but they had that support, um, and so it, it, it's really is a question of how skillful they are 
at the management, but also keeping good communication skills with their with with the banks and um, so that you iron out the problems before they arise and so covenants aren't breached. Um, and and so really now is the time for um, owners to really be looking at their portfolios and to to um, um, to see whether there are any um, misaligned assets um, and whether they could be offloaded and and used for the, with the equity raised to help use um, either a reinvestment or to reduce the level of debt. So um, I think whilst um, there has been some transactional evidence in the market, it, it has been equally a slower uh, slower time as well, where people are, where investors are waiting and seeing until there's less volatility and and greater certainty in in what's to come. I'm I'm reminded of when you said about Brexit. I'm reminded, of, of course, after Brexit, when when the pound was, you know, um, there we had lots of overseas buyers come in, didn't we, and pick up bargains. So there was that option was available to everyone, and we're already seeing it. Um, the French have acquired all sorts of assets over the last month or so haven't they um and other american buyers will no doubt come in and do the same um so so that's good that's good and what i always like to think of that we learned from the pandemic in moments like these is it might be tricky in hotels there's a lot worth it worse in offices so, <laughs> so if, you're looking, if you're looking to invest like you're some pe house looking to invest you think well maybe that's better than that isn't it so that's nice and you raise an absolutely valid point about um, the lessons learned from the pandemic. So I suppose in a way, this has been some sort of monumental weaning process, hasn't it? We had the pandemic. There was a little bit of uh, there was there was some government support, but not gopping great big amount, a bit large amount. So owners did have to remember how to run their own hotel and look at their finances and their operations and their local marketing. So that was a sort of preamble, if you like, to just then you really are on your own, kids. You know weaning complete uh, and off you go to university type thing we could oh, look at weaning well <laughs> I'm hoping I mean <laughs> no I think there's a bit in the middle I think there's a bit in the middle um but that sort of yes um pre- being prepared for whatever next apocalyptic occasion could occur ESG has a role here as well because um some of the strategies that people uh Need, they need to be aligned to the economy. So you know, there's there's such a focus on energy savings and efficiencies, and and looking at your peak, at the staffing with the, the the with the tight labour market. You know, so this is if people are employing ESG strategies in a sensible way, um, it can certainly help um, the profitability of of your of your hotel business so um i think that's a factor as well um that will increasingly be um considered marvelous well i think this is terrific we could do this all day but in uh in in shock news not not pebble dash related sadly but we're we've already i know we're close to uh, sort of 20 oh, 25 minutes um, are there any other are there any other fascinating facts that you need to share with us, or facts that you would like from Philippa, Catherine? Facts that I would like. Oh well, um, I'm always always interested in learning about extended stay and all that level of things, and how it's successfully complete, competing with uh, with the likes of Airbnb, and whether you mentioned the brands earlier and people seeking safety in the brands and Airbnb's area. 
other platforms are available, obviously, but now I use Instagram Matter. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not true. I used Verbo once. It's very good until I got accused of stealing a lot of fish. Oh, no. We'll put a link to the fish episode <laughs> so everyone can enjoy that re- on repeat. Trout. Um, I wish I had eaten them. That's all I have to say. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yes, how that's sort of all ticking along, because we've seen a lot more growth in, in the brands and the long stay segment. And it's, is it here to stay? Is it leisure? Is it what are people doing in it? I don't need real specifics. I, I think certainly not just leisure. I mean, the, the focus on the service department markets um, has never been greater than during the pandemic. It's certainly um, brought home the, the need for um, for availability of private space and more than just what a hotel room can offer. So um, from that sense, service departments were able to stay open throughout the pandemic, although they did still suffer. Um, but they've shifted their models um, um, to to focus on have a greater proportion of their long-staying market. And that long-staying market is definitely not just leisure business. It's, and it could be a nomadic worker, you know, it's, and, and it's also more, it's more um, a blend of people using these facilities for business and leisure. And so um, where, where the, the market, the service department market um, has been one of the, um, the, booming segments within in the recovery i mean the for example um service department sector another fact for you here achieved 86 percent occupancy last month in august which is um a considerable premium to the market-wide that's regional uk i should add not not london um but um and so the occupancy premium is also helping drive their rev par premium they are underperforming in average room rate in the, in regional UK, but that is um, because of the way that they're, they're focused on the long-staying guests. Um, and so it's sacrificing average rate in terms of a more profitable and less, um, and less costly um, guest. And so um, they, they also, the service department sector in regional UK, um, achieved a profit margin um, Last month of of forty six percent as of revenue, which far exceeds um, the the regional UK market. That said, um, previous to August, regional UK had narrowed the gap somewhat because of the strong ADRs. But um, the segment, I think, has proved itself during the pandemic and will continue to prove itself as both um, in strong from a customer perspective and an investor interest as well. Um, so it's it's got lots to play for. I think the brands are important. I think the dedicated branded um, service department operators are certainly getting things right in terms of their marketing, uh, their loyalty programs. Um, the websites are very much dedicated, whereas sometimes trying to find um, a service department product within one of the bigger global operators might be more difficult if you're not sure where you're looking so um i think the the markets the the segments come a long way and it's still got a lot further to grow um do you think um as we're speaking i was thinking if you're an investor is it more interesting to you to obviously we know operationally they're more limber than uh, than hotels but if you're looking at a big block full of service departments. Is it more attractive than a hotel? Because if it all goes tits up, you can convert it to resi really easily. Or um, 
Is that something that goes on in the back of people's heads or are they all thinking, no, this is going to be a huge success? A bit of both, I suppose. Um, it, it has that fallback, doesn't it? Um, but it has to be the right um, location. It has to have it has to have the right um, structure for it to be a, a service department. Not every building will serve itself as a, as a service department. And that's a lot of downfalls because whilst there have been a lot of successes, there have been a number of smaller service department operators um, or service department um, buildings that have actually closed during the pandemic. So you have to know what you're doing. And we know this, don't we, from um, talks with um, some service department brands who may even be clients of ours who are trying to find new sites and the, um, the, the challenge to find exactly the specification that they need, particularly when it's uh, a conversion, which they normally are. Um, right. Um, we're going to ask you some questions, if that's okay, Philippa. Um, you can put the stats you can put the stats away. These are just, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, what's your most memorable hotel experience? Uh, from, from a guest or from working in one? Um, <laughs> um, I'll give you one from working in one then. Uh, many years ago, and it, it goes back to, uh, I mean, this just goes to prove how important training is. Um, it was many moons ago I have to say I was um, on work experience in a hotel in France it was one of the Rolais et Chateau hotels and I was covering the barman during his short break and a customer asked for a drink called un Ricard Tomate which in my yeah. absence of um, of what was this drink that I had to prepare I thought it was um, a shot of Ricard with a tomato juice and yes, that sounds very up. logical. And then I suddenly heard this barman say, but what are you doing, Philippa? And it turned out that a shot of um, Ricard tomate is certainly not a tomato juice. It gets the tomate from its name of the colour, but it turns out to be a shot of pastis with um, with the grenadine syrup. So, yes, it, it has stayed with me to all this day. But there you go. A memorable experience. I've got others. From a guest perspective, and, um, and it's all to do with experience, but I thought I'd share with you that one. <laughs> Very good. No, I like that. And I think it's also a learning opportunity. So many thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about um, what do you think the best thing about the sector is? I think how niche and specialised it is. Um, and also, um, uh, I mean, from my perspective, where I'm not in operations anymore how I can you know it's such an exciting sector to report on and to analyze and to it, it's never a dull moment is there um but from an operational perspective I would say it's those transferable skills and it's the the, the, the being able to um you know to 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 be able to work yourself up work your way up in the industry and to have um if you if you want it um to have a career in in the sector I think that's yes absolutely valid and we need more people to do that so please you know join um the sector would be uh, significantly improved if a stabilized period of trading or a more normalized period of training trading I would say um, rather than all the big um headwinds that hitting us um relentlessly one, one would have hoped we would have had a more uh, constant curve upwards post-pandemic but um, life's not like that is it 
it increasingly appears not not so exactly afraid not um the industry what does the industry need now um i think to 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 treat its people uh, i think the industry over many years has has not had the best image from a from looking after its people but if there's anything that the industry has learned from the pandemic and now with a tight labor market and it's how it treats its people and looking after the people, I would say. To have a, it's, it, it needs to be more than a job. It needs to be a career. Uh, um, and equally, you know, there are, the industry depends on um, some part-timers and not everyone wanting that full career, but it needs to, whatever level you're at, then the focus on staffing um, has has to has to improve. There's some very good operators out there, but it's not necessarily the same across the board. Here, here. Uh, and finally, I'd like to think we've learned from the pandemic. Can I say the previous one? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, Please refer to my previous answer. <laughs> um, no, I, I think we've learned a lot from the pandemic, and um, and it, it is um, going back to. Let's go back to the understanding um, the profitability and the cost structure of a hotel and, and how to be nimble to, to advance. Um, um, I think there's, there's an awful lot. Um, the, the sector is an interesting one from, from, from an investor's perspective. And so um, it, it's, got a, it's got lots more to give post-pandemic. Well, there we go. I think that was the most positive outlook on the uh, the current situation that we could have possibly hoped for. So the most most enormous thanks for giving us a uh, a boost, an uplifting boost this Wednesday afternoon. It's Thank just you. delightful. Thank you, Starmer. Amazing. You're very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a delight. Thank you so much, Philippa. Lovely, um, lovely to see you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Spuddy, for coming out of the chimney at the appropriate time. Do you sleep now? He is asleep, of course. Very good. Okay. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Do like and share and tell all your friends about it. Uh, and join us for another episode next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time. <laughs>